Striving for more. Okay, here we go. What we're going to do today is we are going to go back to a famous statement in the Gemara, the first, it's called Bit Daf of Sota, a statement everybody is familiar with that on the surface seems to have to do with Shaduchim, with marriage. Okay? And we're going to start to ask a lot of questions about this statement in the Gemara because this statement in the Gemara actually is part of a, a section that has three statements and they all are almost contradictory to each other. We are going to deal with today, we're going to analyze that famous statement in the Gemara that says that 40 days before, before you know, fetus is formed, the Basco goes out and says, this one is destined to this one. Okay? And what I'm about to tell you today is, is uh, coming directly, as you'll see in your sources, directly from the Balakeda. The Balakeda is Rabbi Yitzchak Arama, Arishon from the 1400s. Most probably, what he's, what he's going to say is going to pull the cushion out from under you. It's going to change the way you think about the whole concept of Basher. It's going to make you think in a whole new direction that you might or might not be comfortable with. Okay? But I think you'll see that it's practical and relevant and concrete and, and, and liberating. Okay? And he's going to really do something very different with this Gemara. And... Um, don't get uncomfortable if you say, hey, that's not what I learned and that's what I know. It's good to hear other points of view. And not just other points of view, don't forget this. When the Rishonim wrote about philosophy, that was because there were no philosophical books up until that point almost. There was halachic uh, codexes, but in terms of writing about what the Jews believe on certain subjects, what are philosophical approaches to certain subjects, this was a new, this was a new genre. And so the fact that it was never written before doesn't mean it didn't exist. It means it wasn't written before. Now, here, let's look at the Gemara, and you'll all get a chance to identify the clear and obvious questions in this Gemara. So you're on, you're on the, you know, the first page of Sota, and everybody knows this. It says like this. See, see the underline? Ein mezavgin lola adam isha masav. Shenemar, and it brings a proof text. So what does that mean? A, a person does not get paired up with a woman on any basis other than masa, their, their deeds, which means what? Good deeds. Yeah, good deeds, bad deeds. In other words, their choices. A person does not get mizavig, right? A person does not get paired up with a woman. A man doesn't get paired up with a woman on any basis other than their choices, which means... We choose, we have the chira, we choose our, how do we behave based on the value system we have. We choose to create our value system. We choose to learn and to, to open our minds to different ideas so that we develop a value system. And he brings a proof text. It, will, it is not the case that the, uh, the lot of the wicked is just going to randomly befall the righteous. It doesn't work like that. Everybody gets, you know, according to their level that they themselves developed, according to their masin. Okay. Then there's another statement in the Gemara about shidduchim. Okay. Next one. Three separate statements. It's as hard as kriyas yamsuf to pair them up. Now, it's a very strange analogy. First of all, what was hard about Kriya Samsov? For Hashem, something's hard. Second of all, 
Why is Kriyas Yamsuf is a splitting? Oops, that's me. Kriyas Yamsuf is a splitting, not a pairing. So why would they con- compare the bringing together of uh, of people as the splitting of the sea? What what kind of what kind of analogy is this? There's a proof text there, and then we get to the famous one, the third one. Amrav Yehuda Amarav. Okay, famous Arbam Yom, Kodem Yitziras Havlad, Baskul Yotzeit Viomeret, Batploni Laploni. Right? Beit Ploni Laploni. Sada Ploni Laploni. So 40 days before the formation of the Vlad. Vlad is like the embryo, the fetus in the womb. Right? 40 days before it's formed. Now we consider an embryo formed at 40 days. So what's 40 days before that? Conception. conception. So at the moment of conception, a bat call goes out and says, the daughter of this one to this one, that's female, the house of this one to this one, the field of this one to this one. Now we should all have a question. And the Gemara has a question. Right? The question is, the Gemara just said in the first statement, right, that you own the pairing only takes place on the basis of a person's choices. A person's choices are their own choices. We, the one thing we have in this world, Akol Bidei Shemaim Chutz Mi'erat Shemaim. Yerat Shemaim constitutes the umbrella for all moral choices. Do I have Yerat Shemaim or not? Every moral choice falls in that category, and that is the only thing really in our hands. And so the first Gemara says, it depends on who you, what you make out of yourself. It's entirely in your hands. And the third Gemara says, at the moment of conception, it's already predetermined. And in between, the Gemara says, it's as hard as Kriyas Yamsuf. What is the logical progression here? So the Gemara realizes there's a big problem. Now, the Gemara doesn't write an essay form. And from here, we learn, as everybody knows. The Gemara gives you a very cryptic answer, and that's where you get the Rishonim to start trying to explain it. So what's the Gemara's answer? Gemara says, Lo kasha. Oh, it's not the, oh, that question you're thinking about? It's not a question. Ha bezivag rishon, ha bezivag sheni. You know how the answer is more complicated than the question? We're talking about zivag rishon and zivag sheni. Which one is which? So you are saying the one that is predetermined at birth, I mean, I'm sorry, at conception, the one predetermined, the baskol, that famous one we all heard about, that's called your zivag rishon. The one that you get based on your merits and your choices, what you made out of yourself, that's called your Zivakshani. Problem. Do we have a problem here? First of all, what is the Gemara saying? Is everybody, first of all, all the questions. Is everybody supposed to get married twice or to two people so that you get your Zivakrishon and your Zivakshani? Is this advocating, you know, every man married two women? The first one is the one predetermined, the one, the second one is the one that you get based on your, on your merits, okay? Also, how do you know which one you're getting? You're getting the one that was predetermined. You're getting the one that's on your merits. Why is one called the first and one called the second? What is it? Why is it called Rishon and Shani? Are they alternatives? Can you get either of them at any time? Now, let's start asking the questions. We're not going to look at the second page just for time. What's a divorce? Let's start asking all the questions. Let's assume that the only Gemara we're dealing with right now, the only one is that it's predetermined at conception. What are some of the questions? A, what's a divorce? Is a divorce that you married the one that was predetermined for you and you was predetermined that you would have a bad marriage and get divorced? 
Or did you not marry the predetermined one and by accident you married the one that you really deserved <laughs> and that's why you got divorced? What, or maybe you were really good and they're really horrible and that's why you're divorced and you didn't deserve it and, and so there must be it was predetermined. So how do you know? That's number one. Number two, how do you recognize your Bashir? Because they, right? How do you recognize it? Because you, they look the same, they look like your mother, they have the same sense of humor. They have the same value system as you. You you think they're funny. They they live in the same neighborhood. You know all of this could apply to these type of connections can easily come into play with people you're not allowed to marry. Either they're married already, or for some reason you're precluded from marrying them, a kohen and a divorce woman or whatever. Like, how, so how do you know when you find your best share? Like, what's how do you know? And also. If everybody has a predetermined Bashar, how about this scenario? Somebody doesn't live long enough to uh, to get married. What about their predetermined one? And what about this scenario? What if every single person, the Gemara doesn't specify who, you know, every person, Adam, that's even non-Jews, every person has a predetermined Ziv at conception. So what happens like this? You grow, you're born as a non-Jew. Do you have a Ziv? Yes. But then at one point you decide you're going to become Jewish. Now that you're Jewish, do you have a zivug? Oh, so maybe there's two alternative ones. Two alternative predetermined zivugim based on your choices. Well, maybe now that you're Jewish two years, you decide you're becoming satma. Now do you have a zivug? Because it's not going to be the same one you would marry as a non-Jew or as a regular you know, non-Hasidic Jew. Like, what if you keep changing? How many alternative... Zivugim, Basherts are there for you and should you stop changing because there's only one and who is that, you know, which, which, of, which version of yourself is that predetermined Zivug set up for? Are there... Any <laughs> 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 All the questions about this, about this topic. Go ahead. Is it possible for someone to have zero Zivug? Okay, is so it possible to have someone to have zero? Is it possible to miss your Zivug? Or maybe your zivug is married to someone else. Well, how'd that happen? How, maybe your, how did your zivug get married to someone else? So you see, there's a lot of questions. And by the way, another thing about this whole topic is, since the Gemara says, oh, um, you know, it's predetermined at, at conception, does it make somebody frummer? Okay, a Rosh Hashiva walks into the base medrash, and there's a bacher sitting there who's 40, Okay, and the and Rosh Hashiva says, you've been out with 5,000 girls, why are you not married? And he goes, I haven't, I'm so from, and I haven't found my basher. Do you think the Rashiva is going to say, wow, that's, you're such a tzaddik, it's amazing, you have so much amuna, or the Rashiva is going to say, go get married to the next girl you date, okay? But the girl has to agree. The girl has to agree. <laughs> so, true. But the point is, it's not, it's the frumer, the person, the least, the less they wait around for their basher, that's generally the rule. Okay, the parents marry them off very quickly, and then they say, "Oh, this was the basher." Like, how do you know? Because it, because you got engaged, that means it was the basher. So we really have a lot of questions about what in the world this means. If we think that we have questions, we are in good company because the Rambam, who preceded the Balakeda, and who knew this Gemara very, very, very well, said some pretty, um, pretty dramatic uh, and uh, unexpected things about this concept of Basher, that it's predetermined at conception. So look at the Rambam. That's the page where it says, chapter 8 of Shemona Prakim. I, I, I skipped the second page. You could read it on your own. It's just about the moment of conception. But go to the next page. 
The Rambam wrote a little treatise, a little introduction to another one of his largest farm called the Shmona Prakim, and it's required reading for every Jew. Just go and pick it. It's soft-covered. It's small. as basic Jewish philosophical ideas. And in the eighth chapter, he speaks about this concept called everything in the hands of heaven except for fear of heaven. Again, fear of heaven is the umbrella for every single solitary moral choice we make in life. And by the way, 99.9% of our choices are moral choices. What you eat is a moral choice, to be healthy, to, to make a bracha, to eat just enough of it, to eat the, what's good for you. What, what you wear is a moral choice, how you speak to people is a moral choice, what you do or don't get up in the morning, they're all moral choices, everything. There's very little that's, well, we'll talk about the things that are not our moral choices. That's the things that are in the hands of heaven. But the choices we make, think, think, if we can make a choice about it, it's generally in the category of Yerushalayim. So Rambam is saying that all the rabbis have said, all right, What the rabbis have said about Hakol Bidei Shemaim, Chutz Miyur Shemaim, is all true, he says, and agrees with what I have said about man's freedom of choice. However, now watch this. Where is the page? Page, uh, the third page, Sashmona Prokim, chapter 8. 53, yeah. 53, yeah. However, people often, this is the Rambam, so, okay, people often mistakenly derive from this passage the belief that actions which they have freely chosen have actually been forced on them, such as marrying a certain woman or earning a certain amount of money. This assumption is absolutely untrue. When a person gets married, finds somebody, gets married, makes a shidduch, there's no such thing. It's not predetermined. Zero. It's not true. It's, you're, who you marry is not, not predetermined, right? If a man, why? He gives his, his reason for you. Because if a man marries a certain woman with a chuppah and kedushin, a contract and ceremony, right, she becomes his lawful wife. And he has thus fulfilled the commandment of pru or vu. Hashem does not preordain that a person fulfill a commandment. Conversely, if a person enters into a marriage that is forbidden, he has committed a sin. In other words, Ramam is going to say, getting married is a choice, as we well know. In the DP camps, when nobody had anybody and people just walked over each other and said, let's get married. That's kind of how it was. Getting married is a choice. And therefore, somebody decides to do that, not saying, you know, obviously, I'm just being general, but if somebody decides to do that, they're fulfilling a mitzvah. And Hashem never, ever determines, predetermines that a person fulfill a mitzvah. So how could it be predetermined? Can't, anything you choose to do that's correct and it's a mitzvah can never, ever be predetermined. So how could it be when somebody marries someone, it's predetermined? Simple question. They chose it. So now, in order to get to the big, the real topic here, how do you recognize your Bashar? We are going to now turn to the Balakeda. This is, again, of Yitzhak Arma, a Rishon from Spain, wrote the Akedas Yitzchak. And he was based a lot of his philosophy on Aristotle, or he refuted Aristotle. It's a very dense sefer, very, very hard to get through. Even the English translation is doesn't do it justice. There's... But I was very, very fortunate, Zoha, to marry my husband, whose father was quite a genius, and uh, he was a businessman. He was the Colonel of Rachel of Zalman Ween, of Shmuel Ephraim Ben of Yitzchak, and uh, he was a huge, a huge genius. In fact, when he was in high school, my father-in-law, just for digress for one second, when he was in, in high school, not, I mean, after high school, in Beis Medrash, there were four good buddies. And my father was creative and brilliant, and uh, 
His three friends were also, his three friends were the Novominsker Rebbe, Rav Aaron Shech, the Rashiv of Chaim Berlin, Rav Freifeld, who started Shoyashiv, and my father-in-law. And Rav Hutner was the genius, and my grandfather, Rav Shimon Schwab, said about Rav Hutner, smartest man he ever met. And Rav Hutner said about my father-in-law, Zalman, he said, a, a, you know, a, 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 a witticism, a, a sharp insight from Zalman, he said, it's, it's like a Rabbi Kiva Eger. That's the greatest compliment in the world. He was super sharp. And he made a, he was a businessman, but he made a life's work of studying the Balakeda. So I had the privilege of actually getting this material, you know, handed to me, taught to me. And, uh, and one of the ideas that he taught me right in the beginning was this idea, and it changed my way of thinking completely. He exposed me to this unbelievable concept. The Balakeda is going to comment on this Gemara. This Gemara that says, on the one hand, it's all based on your choices. It's not at all in the hands of heaven. And then, two lines later, it's all predetermined. Okay? So look at the Balakeda. I'm sorry, I didn't bring the English translation because it's just not good. Okay, it's just not accurate. So look in the Hebrew on the left side where the underline is, okay? Um... Okay, so you see where it says, you see the first underline? Go up two lines where it says Yeshayahu Nun Aleph, you see that? In the parentheses? Okay, right after that. So he's talking about Yitzchak and Rivka. All right, on this page, look. He's looking on his It's in Rashi script, yes. So he says like this, Uba Yitzchak Varifka. He's talking about the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka. Now remember what happened. Eliezer picked Rivka clearly for her qualities, for her qualities, for her chesed. It wasn't random. He just, he was, all right, and he brought him, her back to Yitzchak. And she merited Yitzchak because she was a person of high caliber. She was an unusual person. She was a balatessin. She had made out of herself something different, something special. And that's why she was chosen, based on merit. Okay? So it will be Yitzchak Varifka Nemar. And then regarding that zivog, it says, he, this is in the Chumash, he ha'isha asher Hashem. This is the woman that Hashem himself has kind of determined. Wait a minute. Was it her merits or was it predetermined? Nireh, it seems to be saying, ki hu that he, God, the blessed one, he hamazave gosam, he is the one that put them together, like, you know, that Gemara that says it's all predetermined. Hamachabram, and he made the chibur, right, between them. But, vihine lo But wait, we know that Hashem won't do anything. It's rather their good deeds and their prayers that merited it. It wasn't God just randomly doing this. It wasn't some, you know, predetermined thing. It was their merits. Kamosha Kosov, and as it says, like, you know, Alzos Yispalel Kol Chosid, Zu Isha. This is people have to pray. They have to go beyond. They, this is, you know, the, the zivugim, finding a woman, a wife, is something you have to work hard for. It's not just that Hashem did it for you. So now he goes back to that Gemara. Okay, he says, so, wait a minute. The Gemara seems to say it's predetermined. Here we see it wasn't really predetermined. It was a choice. It was hard work. It was tefillah. It was maizim tovim. So he says like this. So, im hagazera asher nigzera be'es hayetzira emes, if that decree that the Gemara says is the creed, at the moment of formation of the fetus, okay? If that's true, right? So, if that's true, charitzas hamasim sheker, utfilas hatzadikim hevel varik chalile vachalile. If that's true, 
then care and perfection of your deeds is just a lie and prayer is a waste of time because it's all predetermined. Why are you becoming a better person? Why are you, why are you working on yourself? Why are you being meticulous? Why are you playing? It's all hevel of a rick and sheker. Empty, stupid, waste of time. It's all predetermined. Okay. So he says, so what is that? What does a kumar mean? So here's his answer. And this is very Kabbalistic, deeply philosophical, and it's going to change the way you think. Very Kabbalistic answer, okay? And it really, you'll see it's going to open up all kinds of new ways of seeing things. Rak kavanasam b'masha amar. Kan bezivak rishon, kan bezivak sheni. But what they meant when they said in that little statement at the end, okay, no problem, this is zivak rishon, this is zivak sheni. That answers all the questions. Okay, there's two different types of zivogim. It says what they meant, he albeiz minei hazivogim, two totally different types of zivogim, of pairing up. Asher hainu aleim ki hakoda mehem etzel hateva. The, the one that's called Zivagrishon is called Zivagrishon because it's the first one in nature. It happens naturally first. It's chronological. This one, the one that's predetermined at conception, that's your first one chronologically in time. The one that happens according to your deeds and what you merit, that's the second one. So what's this first one? He says, He chibur hachomer el hatsura. Hanimsa b'chol ish ish he is saying the first zivuk which you can never miss and they can't marry someone else and all the questions we had go away is the is the HaKadosh Baruch Hu pairing up what he calls Ish and Isha but it's not humans it's the Chomer to the Tzura it's your body to your soul which body gets which soul? When HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees a, a fetus, an embryo being conceived, the moment of conception, Hashem looks at the parents. Who are these parents? What Hashem set up the laws of nature. What is the genetic, what's going to be genetically with this child? According to Hashem's laws of nature, what are the genetics? Who are the siblings or not siblings? What is this child going to be exposed to? What decade is it? And what country is it? Is it Germany in the 30s? America in, the, in 2010? Okay, what is the entire, entire situation that this new embryo, which through the laws of nature that Hashem designed and maintains, has now come into existence? Hashem sees the lot, the chilek, of this particular new creature, new creation, and Hashem designs and creates, as it says every day, you created it. Hashem custom designs the neshama to put into that child, and that's called your zivug rishon. Which neshama you have within you, you cannot miss it, you cannot make the wrong mistake, it's designed by Hashem. It's perfect. And that's what we mean. Ezehu Ashir, he who is a fortunate and wealthy person, a rich person, asomeach b'chelko. You're happy with your chilek. The stuff you can't change. Anything that you can strive for, 
you should strive for and never be never feel you know satisfied with oh a person shouldn't say i have enough mitzvahs i'm satisfied i did enough chesed i'm satisfied i'm smart enough i'm satisfied i did i contributed enough in this world to cover Shemaim. i'm done i tried hard enough to be nice to people i'm done i'm i don't i have a, a certain amount of emotional intelligence and insight and, and compassion i don't i'm happy with that i don't need more nothing that we can strive to enlarge and improve should be limited. But there are aspects to us that are archelic. That's it. That, and that's the second page in the Gemara. The, the Navi, the, 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 the Malach comes up and says, what's going to be this one's chelik? This new creation, neshama and guf. It's called in, in philosophical middle, mid, middle ages language, medieval language, it's called chomer and sura, like the raw material of like the clay and then the form of the beautiful vase or the raw material, the marble, and then Michelangelo turns it into the David or the Moses or something. There's the raw material and the tsura, the form that it takes. In Kabbalah, it's called Ish and Isha. But we're speaking about the neshama and the body. And we don't just mean the body, the entire physical situation. This is called your zivug rishon. And it's predetermined for everybody at the moment of conception. And our job in life is to take that combination that we've been given, that we've come to accept and be happy with, and realize that we're supposed to do something with it. And now here, the goal is the same for everyone, but the playing field is also even for everyone. And everybody does it a different way. The ultimate purpose we are created, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't need us for anything. Notice Shemitah, we could stop for a whole year and everything goes on just fine. And there's even double the crops, right? We do it every Shabbos. The only thing Hashem needs us for is to be a source of Kavod Shemayim because Hashem did, created a very strange phenomenon in this world, which is a phenomenon called Kavod. Hashem created a phenomenon called Kavod, something that you cannot give yourself. If you pay someone to give you Kavod, it's an embarrassment. If you beg someone to give you kavod, it's an embarrassment. If you threaten someone to give you kavod, you're just another tyrant. And it's all, it's all fake. Kavod is the only thing that we freely contribute to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, what I mean, Hashem is not needy and looking for honor. It means that we recognize the all-pervasive involvement of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the life he's given us, and through everything in our life, situations, good or bad, whatever our chilek is, or whatever happens to us that just happens, like Kohela says, things happen. That's Perak Gimel Kohelis. There's a time for this and a time for that. Things just happen. I mean, life goes on. There's your, there are forces in play. What we do with it, the only thing Hashem actually needs from human beings because Hashem, and I heard this from Rav Moshe Shapiro, and I wouldn't say it if I hadn't heard it from him, the great Rav Moshe Shapiro was just Nifter Zachron al-Racha. Hashem has set up a situation where his fate, to be known and appreciated, discovered and loved and embraced in his own world, is in our hands. The only thing we really can do, that Hashem can't do for himself, is be a source of Kavod Shemayim. And to each person is a source in their own way, and for that they get their own chilek, a particular physical situation. In other words, not just physical body, but human situation involving our body, our, our families, our 
you know, what's going on in the world, the whole package. And their neshama, which Hashem creates and designs for us and, um, and gives us a neshama. If you want to know what your neshama is, it's the part of you. It's not your body, obviously. And it's not your emotions, obviously. And it's not your intellect, obviously. Your neshama is the part of you that keeps making you ask, what's, what is there out there that's worth giving kavo to? In other words, everybody's looking for purpose, right? Purpose. What does it mean, what's my purpose? The philosophy through the ages has, has a straw, straw, striven to answer three questions. What sort of creature am I? What is my purpose? What am I here for? What is my purpose? And how then shall I be governed? How do you, how do you set up life? A human being, Viktor Frankl, right? Man's, everybody is searching for purpose. But another word for purpose is kavod. What is there out there that's worth me devoting my energies to, sacrificing for, looking up to, something that won't disappoint me, something that is worth me harnessing all my kohot, my brain, my intellect, my emotions, my body, everything towards something that will be eternal, that's worth my efforts. That's called, what shall I give kavod to? And we say it every single wedding and many other times, hakol bara lechvodo. We are here because Hashem has set up a world where he's ev- everything and 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 full of the and, and, and has empowered us, I would say it this way, he's empowered us to be the sources. We are the sources of Kavat Shemayim. And people can do that despite whatever situation they're in. That's the goal. So the the first thing is you have a zivug. You have a neshama that's going to drive you to constantly ask that question. That's the neshama. The neshama is a part of you that's saying, what more? Why am I not satisfied? What should I devote myself to? What's my purpose? That's the neshama. And every human being has a neshama. Every human being. The difference between the Jewish people and the umas olam is we have been working with that question and developing the answers and direction and mitzvahs for so long. It's in our psyche. Other nations, other peoples also ask that question all the time. There's a thousand books a month being printed, e-books, on happiness and purpose and meaning, but they just don't have all of that investment that we have to, to answer that question. And it's a terrible thing. It's a tragic thing. But they ask that question. The Jews ask that question more than anybody else. It's like, never lets us rest. But that is your Zivug Rishon. Now, based on your Zivug Rishon, he's going to say, now you have your Zivug Sheni. Your Zivug Sheni is who you choose, make a choice to marry. And in that arena, oh, there could be mistakes, there could be different options. It's, it's, a, it's a choice. As, dep- as a person grows, different people are relevant. So, you, could, you know, it's who you are at the moment. And uh, if somebody make, you know, gets into a bad situation, Chasham has to get divorced, it's like it's either they made a bad choice or they didn't make a bad choice. This is what happened. Either they could have known, they didn't know, all kinds of factors. But the answer is always, how do I make a Kavach Shemayim out of the situation I'm in? Or... I can't, or the situation is not a situation I, I need to be in, or I, and it's not a situation I, I have to be in, and I need to move on, move on. Either way, everything we do is with the focus on how am I going to make out of myself a source of a Kavach Shemayim 
because Hashem's fate is in our hands. That's what Hashem needs us for. Hashem doesn't need us for anything else except that He made a world where He Himself can't give Himself cover. Just like we can't give ourselves cover, it has to come from someone else. So the Zivuk Sheni is the, chronologically the person you choose to marry. And that's a mitzvah. And people, and it's, some generations it's easier, some generations it's harder. We're having a very hard time for a lot of reasons in this generation. And people have to work very hard now and, and, uh, in, in, the, in terms of this. But one thing you know, you already have your Zivug Rishon. And the Zivug Sheni then becomes, the search for the Zivug Sheni becomes somebody who can, I, together with this person, have a have peaceful and harmonious life so together we could be a source of Kavat Shemayim. And you could do that with a lot of different people. Because it's really not about, entirely about self-fulfillment and this person has to, you know, nobody was put on earth for the exclusive pur- purpose of pleasing another person <laughs> or fulfilling another person. Every single person is put on earth to do their job which is to be a source of Kavat Shemaim. Hakol bara lechvodo. Somehow, someway, through everything we do, in every situation, with everyone we interact with, this is it. With a spouse, without a spouse, with children, without children. The role model who, for who understood this is Leah. My grandfather Schwab explained this to me. She named all her children after her pain. She definitely had children which is one great source of gratification for people, providing providing their children are also sources of kavod shemayim. Because if a person has a child that is not a source of kavod shemayim, but chas v'sholem, the opposite, it's not, it's not a gratification. She had children, which is what people want, but she did not have the love of her husband. Correct? Le- Rachel, on the other hand, had the bond of her husband, but she didn't have children. Right? So Leah named her first child Ruve, and she said, Ra'ah Hashem Ba'ani, look Hashem, I'm suffering. Then she named her, but obviously it didn't get better, because she named her second child Shimon, Shama Hashem Kisnua Anoche, look Hashem has heard that I am hated. And I just want to say right here, God forbid to even conceive that Yaakov treated her with disrespect, but on the other hand, she said, I'm hated. So my grandfather explained, he said, yeah, imagine you have two kids, and you say, sweetie, I love you so, so, so much. I adore you. I value you. I, I, can't, you're, I have so much admiration for you. I, I just love your sister a little more. <laughs> That's called hated. So she said, Hashem, look, and the situation didn't get better. And then she named her first her child Levi. Maybe now, three kids, and maybe now he'll bond with me. So what happened with the next child, Yehuda? Hapam, Odes Hashem, I'm going to be, praise Hashem, thank Hashem. You know, Hoda'a is gratitude, acceptance, Modani, right, bowing, and Toda, and gratitude and acceptance. Was it perfect? Wait a minute, just go a couple lines later. Clearly wasn't perfect, because not long after that, right, after Yehuda, she makes a bargaining thing with Rachel, to have, with Yaakov. She bargains. And then after that, when Rachel dies, Yaakov goes and puts his bed in Bilhah's tent, not in Leah. So clearly, she never got what she wanted. So what was naming her fourth, chi- her fourth child Yehuda all about? And Chazal says she's the first one to ever give Hoda'ah. 
What is Hoda'a? Why are we called Yehudim? She came to terms with her chilek, her situation as it was, and she was able to accept and be grateful for the situation as it was, despite the fact that it wasn't what she would have preferred. And she realized that this, this was going to be her chilek, and she said she's going to do her best with, with, with her chilek. And she's going to invest in it and do, and she, she and as we know, Muvein, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Malchus, Kohuna, Levia, it all comes from her, Yisachar, it all comes from Leah, right? The situation that she gave Hoda'a, being Sameach Bechelko, all right? Sameach Bechelko, and then that turn, that's the first stage, that's Yisivagwishon. If a person becomes happy with who they are, they're comfortable with their situation, whatever the particular situation is, the parts of it they can't change, it is what it is, and they decide that through this they're going to make a Kavach Shemayim, that's a person who's focused and, 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 and positive, and then the person they choose is going to be, you know, also somebody who's going to be able to partner with them in that. Now clearly, it's obvious, okay, based on your Zivug Rishon, you're going to have only certain amount of options for your Zivug Sheni. If Hashem Kri sees a little embryo being conceived by the uh, Moshe Feinstein's wife, okay, and Hashem puts an Hashem into that child, that, that child is going to have a particular set of circumstances. Very unlike the child born in North Korea. Okay? Very unlike the situation of a, of a child born to drug-addicted parents in Harlem. Very unlike the situation of a Jewish child born in the middle of, uh, you know, a month before the deportation, you know, in, in, in Hungary. It's all going to be very different. Clearly, based on your first zivug, okay, it's going to have an effect on your second zivug. If you're born to a wonderful family with endless opportunities and kindness and all of that, you're going to be a, have different opportunities than a child born to a very compromised situation, and therefore your capacity to choose someone for your zivug sheni and also the options are going to be different. We can only choose zivug sheni based on our options. Not Nobody gets every option in the world. You get certain options that come your way that are relevant that are that are that ha, you know that are same place same time same you know but among them you pick the one that you can make do your best to to build a, a life of Kavit Shemayim with this is how the Balakeda speaks about your Bashert so what is he saying no there's no predetermined zivik for you stop looking for it stop believing in it go and decide on what your values are and make a choice based on your values. And even if you found your zivik or didn't, the message here is, okay? The message here is, Hashem has given us self-acceptance. There's a chilek we all have. We have what to do with it. Okay, we know who we relate to based on it. Make the most of what we are, everybody's created on this world for their role as a source of Kavit Shemayim. In and out of whatever situation they find themselves. Okay, that's the message here. No one else is here to make you fulfilled, and nobody else is here to make you happy. Everybody is here to be to partner with each other, to collaborate together, to love and respect each other. But if everybody's goal is covered shemaim, it just changes the playing. It changes the you know the two, the the, uh, the the rules, and things become a lot clearer. And the people you can work with, be, they you know become more you know, become also clearer, and your options become clearer.
And then uh, you've done something truly, truly fundamental, something Hashem created us for, something no one else could do. Everyone can only do it their own way. That's the Zivug Rishon, your own custom-designed Zivug. And, uh, and, um, and Hashem invested a tremendous amount into each one of us, making each one of us that have that particular Zivug. And we have to recognize that investment within ourselves and uh, hopefully Bezrat Hashem make the most of it. Questions? Thank you. You're welcome. Questions? Yes. I missed the very beginning because I was running late downstairs, but the first person you marry, that's like... No, no, no. We said the first Zivug Rishon is, has nothing to do with who you marry. It's which neshama is paired up with which body at the moment of conception. That's your Zivug Rishon. That's your chilek. Who is wealthy, he was happy with their lot. That's your lot. And you're given a particular zivug for the purpose of kavod shemayim, on bringing kavod to God. And that you can do with whoever you choose to marry, and that's not predetermined. <coughs> you have a big range, a much bigger spectrum. There are people that choose not to get married, and and, um, and it's a mitzvah to get married, but there are people that don't, clearly in this door, they prefer to not be married than marry someone who, you know, isn't the right one for them. So, yes, there have been, um, you know, everybody know only Hashem knows a person. It's a mitzvah to get married. It's, you know, it's, it's a mitzvah to get married, and it's a mitzvah to do a lot of things. Not everybody's able to accomplish every single thing, but even if a person is not married, that for sure does not absolve them from being a source of kavod shemayim every day in every situation. And another fundamental thing, okay? One more thing, marriage and children. Okay, getting married to a, a, you know, a woman or a man, that's a mitzvah. Some people don't get married, as we know. Having children is also a mitzvah. Some people don't have children. But deeper, shalom bias, shalom bias between your, as we just read it, that's Kabbalistic terms, your wife, the husband and wife, which means shalom bias between your neshama and your guf. Shalom bias, a zivug between your neshama and your guf, which means what your neshama wants should not be fought against, there should not be fighting. What your neshama wants,